I'm Deborah Grace, author of the book Crucifying the Bible, available on Amazon, and you're listening to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. So far from lies and hypocrisy, drifters to energy, and silence becomes bridge. Hello, my name is Damien, the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad, and host of the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Whenever you're listening to this, wherever you are, whatever you happen to be doing, I hope you're doing well, I hope you're safe, and I hope you're feeling fine, because it's a pleasure to have with me right now, internationally renowned author of Crucifying the Bible, Deborah Grace. Deborah, welcome. There you go, Deborah. you get the, you get the applause. Ah, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Deborah, thank you for joining me for this informal chat about, particularly about your book, what inspired you to write it. And one of the things that has interested me is the blowback that you've had because of your book. Ah, <laughs> uh, gosh, it was, let's see, probably going back to just coming out of religion. I was a mess. I was spiraling. I was having bouts of depression and, you know, losing your identity in religion is quite a paradigm shift. It's <laughs> uh, in, in, it's in, in, not and, something to sneeze at. And <laughs> like, just just on that, I, what I, like, I had a fundamentalist background myself, though mm. from what I understand, it may not have been as toxic as what you typically find in, find in America. But what I notice mm. about American fundamental evangelicalism is that basically what the leader says goes and any that there's no room for dissent. And you mm -hmm. are basically the minion of the pastor. They expect their patrons to submit to them. They believe in a hierarchy that um, doesn't really exist in in the Bible and in, in Christianity in its origins and foundations. Yes, there were judges set up in the in the wilderness under Moses, but did that necessarily carry over into the um, New Testament arena? It doesn't appear so. Mm. There were 12 men who followed Jesus, um, and it looks like it followed the template of Ezra, in the book of Nehemiah, who, when Ezra read the uh, Torah or the law to everybody, he had um, a platform that was built so that he could see and, and over the crowds and be heard. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. twelve, but thirteen other men stood on that platform with him. It's it was, in my opinion, it was a a form of accountability. Okay, and. So you, you kind of see that template in the, the disciples who were following Jesus yep. or Yeshua, however yes. you want to take that. But um, in, in modern Christianity, in the churches, you don't see 
you know, 12 or 13 other people on, on the stage with the pastor. It's just him. And hmm. it's a senior pastor and an associate pastor. A worship pastor. And, 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 uh, yeah. <laughs> right. A youth pastor. And, <laughs> and they all expect the patrons to submit. And those who question, like uh, my husband and I did at two separate um, congregations, were asked mm-hmm. to leave really? for, for questioning. Right. What denominations were you involved, were you and your husband involved with? Um, well, throughout my life, I was in, uh, you know, Pentecostal churches oh, yep, in, yep. Same, same here. <laughs> yeah. in evangelical churches. Um, mm. I've been to some Baptist churches, um, for my parents, it wasn't necessarily about the denomination so much as it was the sincerity. Okay. And, um, you know, my mom was very devout, uh, my dad used to write Christian songs, and we would go to different churches and share wow. those songs. Wow, okay. And um, very folk-type songs, but nonetheless um, very uh, by, the, by the book. Mm-hmm. And um, Surprise. So we, we went to, to several churches. My mom ended up uh, converting to Messianic Judaism 14 years before I did. Mm, okay. And... Uh, I was very interested in it uh, because I had a heart for Israel at the time. I had a heart for the Jewish people and um, the original Hebrews because we, you know, as as children, my, my mom would read the Bible to us from cover to cover, not just the New Testament. She never sure, just well, focused okay. on the New Testament. So having that background and, and understanding the full picture uh, that you can't have the New Testament without the old. It doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. It's disconnected, and um, but that's, that that so, certainly hasn't that certainly hasn't stopped people from trying though, because I think correct. there are, I think there are actually <laughs> groups that specifically are New Testament only. Yes, which is yes. okay. That's a, that's a that's a bit of a bit of a surprise. But all right, that's um. Uh, if I can ask, right. was was your uh, I suppose heart for Israel? Was that tied to a political position as well? No, um, no. But there is a a nationalist type of Judeo-Christian mindset in America that I think heightens the religious aspect in the um, geopolitical world. And um, so So there is is much more... Like a soft form of Zionism. Yeah, it, it it truly is. Um, you have a great deal of, of Christians in the United States who, um, uh, like the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, very mm-hmm. big in the United States. Okay. And many, many Christians here in the U.S. Uh, support Israel and then try to convert them at the same time. So okay, it's a okay. bit That's of a dichotomy a, there. <laughs> it's a bit weird because there was a, um, in my in my city, there was a church that was called Catch the Fire. Uh, there, there, there were these like mm-hmm. um, ultra Pentecostal, uh, happy clappers, you know, kind of thing. And mm-hmm. the the pastor of that church made a like a point of attending Jewish festivals because, in his eyes, um, like Israel was God's chosen nation. And also, mm-hmm. and also that he he saw Christianity was an extension of Judaism, 
And so he would make a point to attend, you know, Jewish feasts and Jewish dinners and, and all that in order to, mm-hmm. um, I suppose, win the Jews over to Christ, for one of a, for one of a better yeah. word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's very quite common. Um, and I also went to another church that was, uh, it was called Dunamis in, okay. uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, yeah, it was a little, a little congregation. Okay. Um, and they would, that was probably the most startling church I'd ever been to. They, they would yell at people's stomachs trying to, you know, they would like feel and, oh, there's an issue here. So we're going to yell at that oh, illness okay. or, or demon and, and try to cast it out. Also oh, like the Bob Larson kind of, um, oh, it was, yeah. Okay. It w- yeah, that was that was a little too extreme did, for my did they, taste. Did they ever get into hitting people as well? Uh, no, but you do have uh, churches like uh, Kenneth Copeland who try to blow the breath of God and <laughs> and. <laughs> I, um, I think you know I th- what I'm talking about. Yeah, there. <laughs> I do indeed. I've I've heard the remix a thousand times. It is it was okay. an awesome song. But no, um, I know the the name that comes to mind is Todd Bentley. I forget exactly where he has his church, but he was famous for uh, saying that the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me to hit the person. What do you mean hit the mm. person? Just hit the person. And yeah, it's like, okay, that I'd, that that can go wrong in so many ways. In so many ways. Oh, yeah. Assault. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> battery. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. However, uh, it had to fall down at some, at some stage. When did it fall down and why? So, you know, different denominations had had some strange theologies and, and doctrines, but nothing really shook my faith. I actually moved over to Hebrew Roots while I was caring for my mom when she was when she was still with us. And Sorry. it was after that that I, I found I found my husband, who's also in the Messianic Jewish faith. That's that's kind of how we met and how we got okay. together. It was, it was that faith that brought us together and followed that for a good five or six years. And, um, and then I came across a a video that was being ostracized on social media from um, a gentleman by, by the name of Scott Shub. And he has a YouTube channel called Biet Tefilla Productions, very Jewish sounding Uh, B E I T T E F I L L A H, and um, his series is on uh, the New Testament. And I watched the first one and and told my husband, I said, I need you to watch this because if mm-hmm. if if what I'm seeing is is true and you don't see it, our whole marriage could be on the line. Really? And he watched the first of the seven videos. I think there's eight in there now, but there were seven back then. And uh, he saw, he saw exactly what I was seeing. And he says, I'm done. I'm done with the New Testament. That's it. And we just about converted to Judaism. But I did my own research after watching that video to verify what he was saying was actually in the Bible. And sure enough, um, I recognized most of the verses, but I wanted to verify myself. Yeah. Okay. I'm just looking, uh, just while you've been talking, I've been looking. Uh, so I see the YouTube bait, bait to filler productions. Mm-hmm. And they've got um, yeah. like very, like their thumbnails are very simple, black and white, you know, no new yes. dispensation. Why? Update and with praises the, to Elohim. Tetragrammaton is on it, I think. 
the Protex Tetragrammaton. Messiah. I'm sure there's a well. Thousand. There, I think there's a Tetragrammaton for the for the Hebrew word of Y H W H. The refining of of Yisrael, mm. which is okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, so I found it. Yep. Yeah. So I'll, I'll I'll link to that in the notes just for anyone who's uh, okay interested. Um. So keep keep going, yeah. uh, Deb. So so you found this so... Jewish uh, <laughs> themed criticism of the New Testament. Yeah. He well he had been uh, messianic for many many years. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of a sudden, his videos came out and shocked that area of um, doctrine and, and the the followers that would like to watch his teachings shocked them. Really? And he lost a lot of followers. But um, but it was about four months later that uh, that I had been studying the Old Testament. I'm like, well, wait a minute. If I'm going to vet the New Testament, I have to see if the Old Testament can stand on its own. Mm-hmm. And it didn't. And uh, really? so in, in the, I know, I know in, in that my husband and I walked out of religion altogether at the same time. Thank goodness. Okay. But, and it was a couple years that I went through the process, the grief, the mm-hmm. acceptance, you know, the, the paradigm shift. Yeah. yeah. The, it is a, it is a grief process because you lose friends, you lose your identity, you lose your community and your congregation, even family members. And that, is life altering it's scary it's just riddled with all kinds of emotion you you feel relieved and you feel angry and you're sad and you're like who am i now and you know so you there's a whole change in your life of trying to reinvent yourself Mm-hmm. and finding your purpose so uh, so at that stage did you, did you still believe there was a god so as i said like you walked away from religion but that's mm-hmm. not necessarily opposing God himself. Um, for, <laughs> well, you know, I, I looked at, you know, if, if the God of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, is not true, just at a cursory glance at other religions, um, like they're all doing the same thing. They're all following the same fallacies of circular reasoning mm-hmm. and reification and anecdotal evidence and you know on and on and on i was like how can you trust any of them you know if god really wants to prove himself to me then he should do that personally to me and so yeah, i went on a, on a i went on a spiritual journey through some i guess you could call it paganism just and, and the negative connotation that that people have put on paganism is really quite uh, sad Yes, but and it's, I, I it's, think I think kind of it goes back to the satanic panic of the 1980s. Sure, where sure. you know, oh my God, this is new and freaky, and why are the, the new dark age. symbols and what's with, what's with the goats? <laughs> right, you know, and and all of the symbolism that we see now that has been hijacked by other purposes for nefarious reasons. I mean, if you look at the 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 Nazi symbol. Originally, it didn't mean anything as what we uh, colloquially think of it now to, you, you, to tie you, it to the Nazi flag. It, it, was a, it was a symbol of peace. It was. Yes. Um, I think uh, in Hinduism, um, yes. yeah, the swastika. And there was actually, oh, back in the, I forget exactly when, but I think in the 1900s, there was a band in Australia called the Swastika Band who were mm-hmm. like, um, I think, three women who played clarinet or something, like the, the, the woodwind oh instrumentalists, and they are called the Swastika Band. 
and like back then, it had like an innocent meaning, actually more of a positive mm-hmm. meaning in that you know the yes. swastika is is a form of a cross, right? And that that brings so many questions to what is. But I'm not going to even go there politically. That's that's off topic. <laughs> but <laughs> yes, it does yeah. raise many, many questions. So then what then turned you from a non-religionist into a atheist? Well, I haven't actually adopted that title ever. Oh, okay. Simply because the, the category or the box that it puts you in is so mm-hmm. constrictive. Really? And many Christians see that as a negative connotation like oh so you just want to go kill people and eat babies i'm like yes, uh what the amount of times <laughs> i've heard that you know survival of the fittest <laughs> means kill everybody you don't like right i'm like uh no i've literally not changed the way i live okay. from being in religion to out of religion except i don't believe i am not convinced like- so for all intents and purposes, yeah, the the definition of my current thought processes would Align. fall into the definition of, of atheism. Yeah, but I yeah. don't actually take the title. Okay, no, sorry. Um, well, I call myself a skeptic, and and I don't want to put Christians off. I, I no. want to have the debate with them. I want to no. have that conversation and tell me why you believe in it. How is that a good pathway to truth? if you're not thinking critically at your own yeah, yeah. scriptures. And tell me why I'm wrong. Right. As well. That that's 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 an interesting interesting conversation. Yeah. Because I noticed that you do uh, make a lot of appearances on atheist themed or secular themed yes. shows and podcasts and mm-hmm. uh, YouTube. Um, have you been on Christian themed uh, productions as well? No, uh, oh. <laughs> unfortunately, nobody's ever taken me up on on that. Um, okay. I, I've asked a few people. Uh, I had somebody on on uh, Facebook who who was like, "I'll debate you. Let's have this conversation." I used to yeah. be a pastor, and okay. here's my phone number. Call me, and I'm like, uh, "I don't just randomly call people from my personal phone to no. have a conversation." I have a Discord channel. We can open that up and we can yep. have this this conversation there. And they're like, no, 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 you're just trying to run away. And I said, okay, oh. you know what? I will call you, but I'm going to call you from my husband's phone and he'll moderate. And okay, the guy that, wouldn't pick up his phone. Mm, he would not pick up his phone. That sounds creepy, creepy as heck because um, I... Yeah, I'm, I've had a couple of people give me phone numbers as well. And I say, look, no, this is my... I'll give you my Zoom link. And, you mm-hmm. know, you can jump in on Zoom and we'll turn our cameras off and we'll have a discussion there. And I promise I won't record. Right. You can see on the screen that if I'm recording or not, so I'm not trying to not trying to catch you out. But, yeah, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it is. Okay. Um, if you do get onto any uh, Christian-themed shows uh, or, or even like just the- theism in general, I'd love to know and see uh, how the comparative arguments stack up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not opposed to having the, the debates. It's... It's a matter of, are you going to stick to the scriptures or are you going to run off on a tangent on morality or ontology, which is not yes, where, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that's not where I, I, I'm not going to talk about evolution. I'm not going to talk about, um, you know, you know, why does God need blood? That's, that's, in, it, uh, that's trying to divine the thoughts of God outside of scripture is mm-hmm. not 
let's stick to what the scripture said because that that's what god said how we'll know him is yeah. in there and it's not too hard so yep. let's stick to what's in there. Though that doesn't stop organizations like AIG or whoever acting as if they do speak <laughs> for God. And right. that, that annoy, annoys me no end as well. But as you said, yeah, yeah. it gets from a, a an argument about the scriptures say into, yeah, you know, or you believe in evolution and evolution says to kill people that you don't like and all, all that kind of stuff. You were talking about, sorry. The debates, the debates that... Uh that I don't have. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. That you wouldn't mind having, but that you haven't had I a wouldn't chance mind. to have yet. I've had some online discussions in in uh, Messenger and mm -hmm. on on specific posts that oh, I have, and, we'll, and we'll, we'll get into that a bit later mm -hmm. on because yeah, mm -hmm. some of the, some of those are hair raising to say the least. But the next question, yeah, I want, a couple the, of them that are questionable. Indeed. Yeah. The next question I wanted to ask you is, what made you want to write? Like, do, do you have um, a writing background? Because um, it's not like uh, writing a book isn't something that everybody does. <laughs> You're just on the spur right, of the moment. Right. Well, from the time I was about 19, 20, I, I was helping my ex, who was a youth pastor, and he didn't have quite the eloquence. I just started helping him write newsletters and the yearly reports for the church. And, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then I began writing poetry. I was, I've been writing songs from the time I was 12 years old. Okay. But it finally started coming together when I was about 25, where my work was really starting to get, I, I thought, really good. Okay. And um, social media and when those became available, I started writing for the validity of the Bible and Specifically, uh, the last, I don't know, 10 years on Facebook in, in religion, I would write Facebook notes on different topics, okay. and they'd end up being anywhere between a page to five pages long nice. and put it out there. And it's on a different topic, on the role of the godly wife or the Proverbs 31 woman or tithing or the role of the pastors or, you know, this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> it was March of last year that my sister was writing me about this this one online persona who was trying to draw a parallel between the COVID-19 vaccine and the mark of the beast. Oh. And I know. So so I started writing a response and I was trying to cuz she knew I was out of religion by that point. Yep. I was trying to put together a case to say, look, this is why it can't be true. And besides the fact, and I didn't put it in the book, besides the fact that the, the book of Revelation has quite a few signs that are supposed to happen before yeah. <laughs> the yep, mark yep. of the beast. Yep. And they haven't appeared yet. So stop. Right. <laughs> but in it, and it wasn't to her. It was to those who she would be talking to. Yeah, she yeah. knew. So I started writing this response and I was like, you know what? I have so much information. I think I just started a book. Nice. And, nice. you know, I was about three, three pages in and I was like, <sighs> and then all of a sudden this fire and this urgency came on me and I'm like, I'm pulling out all my old writings. I'm pulling out all my old research, mm -hmm. you know, 10, 15 years worth of stuff just wow. I'm, I'm finding in all of these different places throughout my house. And I'm like, wow, I have so much information. And compiling it all and then putting it together cohesively only took me five months. 
And uh, it was during, of course, it's during COVID. So yeah, I'm very slow at work and I'm very slow at home and I'm just keeping busy. Yep. So, um, and then, you know, going through the editing process, it, it, that was about a month and the audio was about a month. And, and I was just like, this, this has to be put out there. It's, mm-hmm. it's put together in a way that I don't think anybody else has put it together. And, well. and having a female voice that is this strong with this many heavy arguments mm-hmm. against the validity of the Bible is powerful. Yep. And it speaks a message that, that needs to be in that arena. So I went to work and just as it was getting done and edited and work, no, it was before that. I started watching debates online because I was yep. like, does anybody else have some of these arguments that I have? No. I didn't. Okay. I still, to this day, haven't found some of the arguments in the atheist debate community that I have brought to the to the table. There's a few really big ones, but I didn't read anybody else's work before putting together the book because I didn't want to be influenced. Okay. I didn't want it to look like yep. I was pulling or plagiarizing anybody else's work. Yeah, I have yeah, a few yeah. quotes in there, and I give credit, but um, it yep. was. I, that's that's the reason I I was like, you know what? I need to correct those wrongs of that many years that I had out there <laughs> trying to convert other people. <laughs> no, I'm so glad you did because obviously we wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be chatting today. So you basically put your manuscript together. So what I want to go through now is the actual publishing, pro- the process from you getting the text together to getting the book mm-hmm. on sale. Right. And getting it printed and getting the cover and signing your contracts and all, all, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I was querying for a few months and I was reading through different author pages and trying to find out what are the pros and cons of going with, you know, a publisher versus self-publishing. And I came across people who had been querying for 10 years and I was like, Oh no, (laughs) I'm not doing that. And I know my book is so controversial. Mm-hmm. And I went to a couple of, of publishers who have published some very controversial work. Yep. But there's still some I haven't heard back from even now. And That's the like, loss. Uh, right, right. So I got a couple of no's and I was just like, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and do this myself. And so I mm-hmm. found my own editor. I found... Okay the artwork from Mario Lompec. I think I say, I'm saying his name right. He's, I believe he's in Italy because there was a big time change trying to communicate. With <laughs> yep, yep. Just like, just like with us. <laughs> just like with us. Yeah. <laughs> and his work is fantastic. He's mm-hmm. done thousands of covers and very, very well done. And I, I gave him a, um, the picture of what I wanted, a kind of a scope of work. Yep. And he almost he almost completely nailed it on the head. I was just like, this. Yes. Yeah. This. Yep. The, oh, <laughs> and my husband was like, we're doing this all the way. We're going big. We're going home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, oh, uh, that, that, that cover is very striking. That's um it's not only just sort of it's detailed as well. Like you mentioned before, just before we started recording, um, how like there's chain the the like the bull has chains around it, pulling down the pulling out the crucifix, and like mm-hmm. you have to actually really look to see that. So okay, that's that's good. That's yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, I wanted it to be subtle enough, but strong enough to, to really clearly communicate the message that, you know, that golden calf is all grown up causing mayhem <laughs> and pulling down the New Testament cross. Um, because yep. obviously the first the first part of my journey was finding out that the Old Testament does not support the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Well, it, 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 do, um, it does if you mangle and decontextualize and... And ignore the sin-sacrifice laws. Yeah, they, 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 there's an idea. And so we'll get into those in a sec. We'll just finish up the, your uh, about your publishing <laughs> yeah. process because I think there's, there's a lot yeah. you kind of want to get out. But yeah, so, um, so, you, so you found your artist for, you, for the front cover. Yes, yes. He was he was absolutely just brilliant. You know, going back and forth, um, I, I wanted to make sure there wasn't any red in the cover because it's that can be a little off putting and um a little morbid or um Morose. dark, yeah, yeah, a little macabre. And I, I just didn't want that coming across that way. I wanted it to have the old parchment coloring to mm -hmm. it yep so it all came together perfectly i was no. i was very pleased with the cover yes uh, you should you, you, um, you both should be that's very <laughs> thank you uh the editing process was uh took about a month mm -hmm. uh, maybe a month and a half and she did a, just a fantastic job making sure that it was formatted properly for mm -hmm. for the paperback and kindle so she did both of those oh, for okay, me. Yeah. that was awesome no worries. Um, um, so you've gone through a, a publishing house? I have not. I did that self-published. Oh, really? Even, and even, even I printing? Also, yeah. Really? Um, well, I went through Amazon. And they have oh, a, a KDP. Yeah, KDP Publishing. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, you submit. They they uh, print and ship on demand. Oh, Okay. Uh, and then finding the audio voice for it, because um, I didn't yes. read my own book. I went and, and found the most professional sounding voice that uh, it was a oh, female voice to, mm -hmm. that was disarming. And she has a very soothing voice. And I needed that for the heavy, uh, the heaviness of the topic. Yeah, it's, yep. it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not bedtime reading. It's raw. It's raw. And yep. I needed it to be a little bit balanced by her soft voice. Nice. And so nice. she's very eloquent in, in presenting the information. I was so happy, so happy with her. No, good. That's a, um, um, if, no. I, if I can, if I can ask, why haven't you gone with the, like, uh, Apple books or Google books, or is that in the pipeline or? I mean, I, I could probably go with them eventually, but, um, as far as I know, um, I don't know that I can with the with the Amazon contract. Now that I'm thinking about it, oh, I'm okay. pretty sure Amazon has a clause in the contract that prevents me from publishing elsewhere. Okay, well, uh, no, fair enough. That's well. If it does turn up on Apple Books or Google Books, I hope your yeah. sale. I hope your sales <laughs> increase exponentially in in proportion. I do too. I do too. I wish. I wish I had been picked up. A matter of fact, I called the Freedom from Religion Foundation and yep. Annie Laurie Gaylor was just back in the office after COVID. She was just in there trying to see how quickly they could open up again. And oh. she answered the phone. Ooh, and okay. I was honored to speak with her for about 
15, 10 or 15 minutes. Nice. And she recommended a specific publishing house, which I submitted to, but they, mm. they didn't go with me. So oh. yeah, I, you know, I was just like, you know, I'm not going to go through a couple of years of this. I, I think this needs to be out there the sooner the better. Okay. So I went ahead and just did a self-publishing. No, well, congratulations, and Deborah. It, I think I think you've done a good job. As far as I know, as far as I know, I, the publishing through Amazon, while I don't get the opportunity to to have my books in like Barnes and Noble and and places like that, the the uh, brick and mortar stores, uh-huh. I do have a higher percentage than if I went with a publisher. Okay. Oh well, good. That's so. That is good. No, fair enough. Uh, what I wanted to do now was actually go through some of the reasons that the apologetics don't stand up. Hmm. Um, so what <laughs> okay. what are to what are the, what are some of the most obvious from your perspective? What are some of the most obvious low hanging fruit kind of like easy knockdowns that you think uh, that the New, the New Testament doesn't stand? Um, for me, when I was, when I was going through my own, um, research after watching those videos, the, the stark realization was, um, I was looking at the crucifix and I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, so, you know, Jesus claims that he's a sin sacrifice. (laughs) What are the sin sacrifice laws? (laughs) Uh, I think think part of it was no humans. Well, that's, it's not specifically mentioned as a sin sacrifice law that you shall not do this as it's all you shall do this, but there is a, there are several places within the old Testament, within the first, uh, the, the Torah, the law Mm -hmm. that prohibits offering your children to Molech or passing them through fire or, Mm And and it also says that the man who is uh, hanged is cursed of God. Yep. So that's a big one right there. But the actual sin sacrifice laws um, talk about uh, being that the animal shall be killed quickly. It shall be drained of all its blood. It shall yep. be the blood shall be drained out at the base of the altar. The altar is to be consecrated and anointed, but the sin sacrifice shall not be anointed. Um, it shall not be mutilated in any way. And, you know, mm-hmm. Jesus was circumcised yep. and beaten. Yep. And um, not, not killed quickly. Those either. who handle, right. Those who handle the sin sacrifice shall be Levitical priests who are consecrated specifically for handling sin sacrifice laws. And I don't think the Romans or, were Levitical priests. <laughs> right. Strangely enough. So on and on and on, I'm reading through all these laws and it's like, not a single one is followed in the crucifix. Not one. And most Christians are out there saying, Jesus followed the law perfectly, so we don't have to. No, he didn't. Not even his crucifixion followed the law. And how can a, a sin sacrifice violation be an atonement for sin? <laughs> the, the thing that offends God is the thing that pleases God now. It's like something doesn't quite, something doesn't right. quite make sense. It's so in your face it's such for me that was the biggest huge wake-up call going what Mm -hmm. no way no way 
Does yeah. this not in any way, shape, or form does this follow? It, 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 it's not totally non sequitur to to what you're trying to claim. Uh-huh. Well, this is uh, so. <laughs> this is something that I found in my personal journey out of uh, out of fundamentalism as well. Was that I just got this impression that Christianity is a I suppose a myopic rewrite of Judaism, mm. and when you when you point out uh, something like the the number of pro- like the prophecies that Jesus is uh, supposed to fulfil. But the only way Jesus can fulfill them is if you completely decontextualize and pretend that you know the prophecy was about Jesus in the first place. And I'm sure you're familiar with uh, mm-hmm. like the one the one I, that gets my goat is Isaiah seven fourteen is the one that says you know and the virgin will be with child and they'll call him uh, Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. But you realize that at no stage in the New Testament do they call him Emmanuel. Right. And, like, the prophecy was given to a king, like, 600 years before Jesus even came along. So to what what use is telling the king that in 700 years' time, a child's going to be born named, and they're going to give him a name that they don't even call him? That's <laughs> like... And that also... Well, and that, that verse also does rely on the... The difference between maiden and virgin as well, because I think in the original Hebrew it just means a, a woman of childbearing age, whereas Matthew decided mm-hmm. to rewrite that uh, from the Greek using the Greek word mm-hmm. for virgin just right. to make it fit the prophecy. Well, Isaiah knew exactly what the word virgin was because he used it in Isaiah 47.1. Okay. And you've now given me a verse, so I'm going to look at Isaiah 47.1. Actually, just on the on the whole thing about sacrifices as well, um, mm-hmm. there was a story, I forget, it's in, I think it's either 1st or 2nd Samuel, where um, there was a famine on the land, and David, uh, basically for God to re- uh, take the famine away, David had to sacrifice the sons of Saul to appease the Gibeonites. To appease the Gideonites or to appease uh, the, the Gibeonites? So, appara- so, so apparently, no. So apparently, well, so apparently, Saul had slaughtered some of the Gibeonites, uh, but that broke a vow that they'd made, and so in punishment, God put a famine on the land. And it's only when David inquired of the Lord that he found out that the Gibeonites uh, were wronged. And so, actually, let me let me just try try find it. Let me try to find it. Da, 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 da. There, you know, you're you're talking about Isaiah seven fourteen, and yeah, then yeah, it's yeah. fulfilled in like eight three. Um, yes. There is no there. God never talks about a prophecy being doubled or being used twice. Okay. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures, you don't find a single place where where God says, "Oh yeah," and this is going to be used twice. There, or it has like, has know, like a double a, a double meaning, <laughs> right? The like I said before, the entire New Testament is ad hoc rationalization. Mm-hmm. There's no, it, and it's presupposing too. So you're actually begging the question to say, "Well, you know, Jesus is the fulfillment of, of you know, the the 
promised Messiah, and he yeah. is because of this. That's yeah. it's a presuppositional ad hoc rationalization. It's, it's very. It's a it's a mind control tactic. Well, that's to to throw those words in there and those made up terms, and then to say that prophecy. and then to say that you're reading it wrong because you know it's just because your your heart is hard and because you don't believe you know your right. your, your sin has reached its measure or some, some, something like that. <laughs> um, right, you don't have the Holy Spirit to oh God, to that's... help you discern these scriptures. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but there there again is another fallacy. It's a reification fallacy when you're trying to say the Holy Spirit does. Well, actually, you mentioned you mentioned before. I forgot to ask you then. What do you mean by a reification fallacy? Just for those who may not quite understand what that means. Well, it's it's basically saying that something that that cannot be proven, that doesn't cannot be measured. Uh, you can't see it. You can't taste it. Can't smell it. Um, people say you can feel it, but uh, oh, yeah, yeah. biology will tell you that you know certain sounds can cause chills. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. how right so. To say that the Holy Spirit, this invisible thing, does something, is 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 called a reification fallacy. It's, and tells you specific. You're saying it things. does something, but it right. It 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 manifests in a way that can't be proven or mm-hmm. measured. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're just saying something kind of out of you your com- butt. to keep you comfortable <laughs> in your theology. Right. Right. That's cool. Now, so this verse I was uh, looking for, 2 Samuel 21. Uh, During the mm-hmm. reign of David, there was a famine for three consecutive years. So David sought the face of the Lord. The Lord said, it is, it is on account of Saul and his bloodstained house is because he put the Gibeonites to death. Uh, and then, uh, where was it? Yeah, so basically, so the whole passage from 2 Samuel 21, 1 verse through to 14 and basically, God only takes the famine off the land once David kills the remaining sons of Saul. Okay. So I, I just find, um, like, when Christians tell me that God isn't into human sacrifice, well, hold on, <laughs> here he was into human sacrifice. And yet we have, um, let's see. Exodus thirty-two, thirty-three, mm-hmm. Deuteronomy twenty-four, sixteen, yep. Second Chronicles twenty-five, four, Ooh, Psalm yep. forty-nine, seven, uh, Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty, and Ezekiel eighteen, four, and eighteen, twenty. All of the which say that a man who sins shall die for his own sin. Okay. And no one else can die for the sins of the other person. So when you talk about God, it, it, the argument can be made on both sides of the, of the oh, fence. Yep. You can say that, that that you know God isn't into sacrifice, but He is. And it's like, well, which is it? Well, you can make that <laughs> argument on both sides of almost every topic in the Bible. Uh, and this is, I think, those, this is this is the point: is that the fact that yes. you can you can have any position and find mm-hmm. enough verses to back that position up. Right. Most of the time, though. The, the Christian apologist is using one mm-hmm. or two and not you not filling in the entire context. Mm. That's that's where I have the, the that's where my rub is. It's, it's like wait a minute, you know, you say this, but you're and and oftentimes they're pulling from scriptures out of Psalms, which is a book oh, yeah. of songs. It's the, this, the word Psalms literally means song. Yep. 
and it's not part of the law and it's not part of the prophets. Or you're pulling from the New Testament to prove a New Testament narrative, which is circular reasoning, another fallacy. Yep. So for me, I had to go back to the foundation of the entire Bible, quote unquote, (laughs) and and say, okay, wait a minute, the the authority in the scriptures, according to any biblical scholar worth his salt or her salt, is going to be the law and the prophets. So what do the law and the prophets say? Mm-hmm. And where is that, you know, and many, many of the laws in the Old Testament say, and this is a law forever, and this is an eternal uh, yeah. covenant, yes. and this is for all generations and all <laughs> yeah. your dwellings. So what does that say? Because that's going to be the authority. That's going to be the plumb line. Mm-hmm. So that's what I pulled from, and and that's where I, I tried to make my case in this uh, anti-missionary book that I wrote. <laughs> More anti-missionary, counter-apologetics, uh, whatever, what, <laughs> yes. whatever, whatever you want, whatever you want to call it. Right. But yeah, and that's kind of um, as I said before, that's kind of what uh, turned me off Christianity was just when I realized that yeah, they were just selectively borrowing certain. Uh, mm-hmm. certain certain Old Testament passages, certain Greek Old Testament passages, and then acting mm-hmm. as if that was what God meant all along. Um, like for me, I cannot find anywhere in the Old Testament where God says, hey, I'm going to have a son. Mm-hmm. You know, this is my son. I'm going to call him this. And, you know, it's like every every verse given to me in the, the debates I have that say, oh, this this verse is about Jesus. This is where God, you know, okay, so tell me where God specifically said that he's going to have a son. Oh, he doesn't say that. He had to hide it so that Satan wouldn't ruin his plans. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. I'm, 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 I'm leaving. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Like, like exactly. Just really, really bad <laughs> stuff like that. Or, right. you know, or, or like they'll pull something from Psalms or from Proverbs Oh, I think there was a there was a, yeah, a verse in Proverbs that someone said, you know, what will you say to the son of the Most High, or something, something like a, like half a verse like that, and that's taken as uh, Jesus by name, rank, and social security number. Right. Well, my favorite probably is from First Corinthians fifteen three through four, and it says, according to the scriptures. Oh. What scriptures? The, what scriptures does that pull from? Because it pulls out of thin air. There is not a single Old Testament prophecy. There's not a single Old Testament scripture in the Hebrew Bible that talks about that a Messiah would be, that would mm-hmm. die, be buried, and be resurrected on the third day or not on the third day. It doesn't say that anywhere in the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament. And then um, you, you talked about that... Uh, the the Christians selectively, you know, sharpshoot out of this, you know, this, this, and this. Yeah. More than that, it, it's when you you hear people talk about the Septuagint, and that came after. Yes. That, so you know, so, you just, have, so just to clarify, when was the Septuagint written? Oh gosh. But it was basically uh, around the time of Daniel, like in that pre. So in that post-exile period, but before the before the Romans took over, is my understanding uh, of when the uh, yeah I, I, 
I, I would defer to you because I haven't looked at that in a long time, oh, okay. so I couldn't give. Okay, but, but a, the basic, uh, just to clarify for anyone who's listening, this so the, the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old mm-hmm. Testament, right? And right. given, so given it's taking Greek, that as a higher authority mm, than the original Hebrew, no, to me, well, is so disingenuous. Well, that's a but given that there are people who say that the vaccine vaccines are the mark of the beast, you know, they'll. It seems that people will pull anything out of their backside to make a um, right. make a specious case. Well, and to to create a a mindset of of fear, yes. you know, and yep. you know, if if the entire Bible and it is the entire Bible is wholly uh, malignant, <laughs> the the God of the Bible is not benevolent at all. So. It, there's a there's a state of fear that is woven throughout, and pe- it's it's knowledge in in the um, the academia world that those in a state of fear are easier to control. True. So when True. you have all these scriptures that have a, a, a woven in message of fear that like you, God will destroy you for the sins that you've done unless you repent or, and get yourself right. Right, love me forever, or be thrown into hell. That's that's mm. extortion. That's you know, yeah, yeah. It's that's... Uh, it's not uh, benevolent at all. But the the message of fear is one to control people and to keep people uh, pacified and keep them from questioning. Mm-hmm. And you know, when when you're told that that um, those who who you. The book of Genesis says, says every herb is for, um, what is it called? Um, seed bearing fruit uh, yeah. and every herb and grass is, is for us. Yeah. But then you have those who are into natural medicine and, and frequencies and vibrations and and they're trying to utilize that. And then you turn around and call them in, that they're in witchcraft, right? Mm, yes. Uh, it's very common in in the uh, days of the Salem witch trials, and yep. you know when you turn around and you you paint those practices of in people's personal lives as one who's in witchcraft, you're you're not looking at the full spectrum of what's available. No, it's and a, it, it becomes it's, a political control. It's myopic. Yes. Yes, and it's a fear and a and a mind control tactic that you can't lean on your own understanding. Well, I thought you gave me my brain. Yeah, that's it's it's like the the old meme I read somewhere. Um, like it's a, it's a cartoon picture of God that says, you know, I I gave you free will, so use it exactly as I told you to. Or I'm going to burn you in hell forever. Yeah, yeah, so, so, some like that. <laughs> Actually, it's just fun, inter- interesting you mentioned the uh, the Salem witch trials as well. That seems to be uh, one of those things that gets swept under the rug a little bit. But um, mm-hmm. you know, this is like the the people who did that were the Puritans. They were the ones who believed that they were that like they were living in right standing with God, and were you know following Him as wholeheartedly as they could. And they believed, mm-hmm. according to this one verse that says, "You shall not let a witch live." And then, right. you know, because they're in a new country, in new environments, and things aren't quite working out. Well, hold on. If we're God's people and things aren't working out, then that must mean the the the, the devil is at work. 
And and sometimes I feel sorry for Satan because he gets lumped with all this bad stuff that happens. You know, if you're if oh, your yeah. flight if yeah. your flight's delayed, if you're sick, if you know, if there's something mm. unexplainable that you that, that's happened that you can't think of a reason, oh, it must be Satan. And that's probably one of the other things that drove me away from the from the Christianity as well was yeah, anything bad, that must be Satan. That's it. There's, there's well, no, no logic behind it. It's just if if you're trying to do God's work and something bad happens, good old Satan. Yeah, the, there's not an, a single Old Testament scripture that says the devil made me do it. No, that doesn't. That just not it's not there. But the the interesting thing that you you bring up the um, you know suffer not a witch to live right. Mm. If they had been truly following the Bible in its contextual. Um, don't, don't say oh, the, the C all word. of it right right <laughs> they would have known that you can't put a witch to death without the sanhedrin without the temple and they didn't follow that and you had to have a you know there was a whole um process that should have been followed per the old testament laws that are not being followed right now. There's a lot of laws in the Old Testament that aren't being followed now, even in Israel, because there is no temple and there is no Sanhedrin. Okay. So um, they they took great liberty to to scapegoat the witches and kill them just because. And, 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 guess, and guess out. what? And guess what? Gender most of those uh, people uh, tortured and executed. Right. Were. Right. They were the women. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and which then leads on to the next part I really wanted to talk to you about was um, so given that you've written a very strongly worded criticism of uh, of a majority uh, theology that's as prevalent in society, um, mm -hmm. you know you are in one of the most Christian countries in in the world, mm -hmm. um, and you're in the country that also promotes free speech. Um, there are inevitably inevitably going to be some arguments about what you've written. And I follow you on Facebook, and I see some of the stuff that you post. Um, would you mind talking more about that, just uh, the general response that you get from Christians uh, and some of the worst that you get in response? Uh, uh, yeah, well, there, it's not, there's no secret that the Christian communities uh, significantly devalue women and put them in a lower class mm -hmm. that's they will claim that no that doesn't happen uh but it does um, especially, um, especially when you get like just the word the country was complementarianism as well which is where like women and men and women are different but they're supposed to complement each other not you know so of course the men are higher but the men can't be that without the women right right kind of thing. uh <laughs> Yeah, there's there's not an equal value of women in in the religious community. There just isn't. Mm. Uh, it's uh, you know even in the the churches that I grew up in, it um, it wasn't widely accepted for a woman to work outside the home or uh, seek for higher education. Mm -hmm. um, her job was to be at home with her husband and, and her kids. children taking yep. care of the house, right? Yep. The letters of Paul very clearly communicate that that is a woman's role. And it, I think Paul and, even uh, states that women aren't even allowed to speak in church. Yes. Um, one Paul. of the worst overlooked one, in my, in my opinion, is the one from 
uh, I'd have to look it up, but it talks about that if a woman, if a woman, a young woman is widowed, that she needs to hurry up and get married uh, yeah. and find a husband right away, or else she may fall to Satan. She may have already fallen to Satan. Yep. Great, great advice um, there. So, great advice there. Right. So a woman should never be single, ever. If she's a widow, get her married away right away. <laughs> yep, Make yep. sure she's at home. She's uh, shame-faced. She's to be um, submissive and... Yep. Um, and with head not, covering as well. Not, because, sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, not given to gossip or mm -hmm. idle yep. hands. Yep. And I was going to say as well, um, Paul also makes commands that women are to have their head covered as well. So it's, it's a sin for a man to have his head covered, but it's a commandment for a woman to have her head covered. Well, there's also another scripture in the Bible that says that a woman's hair is her covering. Yes. So, like, what is it? <laughs> you know, there's there's the argument for both sides. And if a woman isn't supposed to braid her hair with gold, mm -hmm. then... How are you know? How do you know whether her hair is braided or not if it's covered? What a surprise! What a surprise! Oh. But no, I'm just, I'm just looking through your uh, one of your Facebook posts. Um, there was a Facebook post that you uh, wrote that says, "Do you need your child's dog to die in order to forgive your child?" Mm -hmm. And there is a response there that says, "I'm reading word for word here. Uh, looking at the combination of your name, Deborah Grace, I can see you're one of those fallen from grace." like the prodigal son who left his father with all his inheritance to go and waste mm -hmm. it in a far country. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you are crucifying the Bible now, you're not the first nor will be the last. Um, so, mm -hmm. Deborah Grace, come back home, for heaven will, heaven will rejoice when you return to God. Mm. And your response? Uh, you can go ahead and read it. I'm on my phone, so That's I can't. Right. If if hell were, if hell were real, it would freeze over before I went back into the fairy tale land of religion again. <laughs> that, yeah, it's my snark. <laughs> That's uh, yes, I, I, you are very good at the snark. I'll, I'll, uh... That's another reason. I'm yeah, lucky. you're very good on the <laughs> very good on the snark. But yeah, um, there's also another one that you posted uh, some time back where someone had Facebook messaged you at like five in the morning asking, what is love? Mm. Oh, yes. I have that one printed. So, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's see if, I can... well, if, if you got go it. Ahead and, if... You go ahead and read his part and I'll read my part. Uh, I'm trying to find where it is, though. Um... Oh, okay. So uh, this, this, this what, person what, what who, date? who what messaged date? me. Do you, have, do, you have, do you have the date? Get I didn't catch. I didn't catch that. No. no okay. Uh, so I this found person it. I found, it. found it. Okay. What's your <laughs> definition of love? Uh, what my husband and I have: unforced, reciprocal, and caring. No, it's one word. Then why ask? To see if you knew. Oh goody! I always wanted a pop quiz at five thirty a.m. You responded. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> oh, people. Yeah, so he goes on. He says, let me know when you know the word. I said, the bird is the word. He says, no. When you know love, you will know the word, period. <sighs> and that's when I blocked him. 
Good idea, good idea. Um, you also mentioning to me before that you, because of all this, you're now. Um, I don't, I don't know if you're comfortable talking about it, but you've kind of re, okay. you've rejigged. You've got a new process for how you vet your Facebook contacts now as well. Yeah. Um, so I've gotten like this one right here. Um, this one came over in July, uh, just a single line. You are a effing moron. Oh, great. Uh, automatic block right there. Yeah. Um, you know, then of course, you know, I think it's not just me. It's in what I do. I, I get some very vile and, and crude types of messages. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, I've gotten a, um, you look beautiful. Oh, this one was, this one was from a, uh, a guy who is a pastor oh, in yes. Kenya, I think, or, oh. or uh, he says, have my video for appreciating my comment. I love you. Agape. And he sent a video and I watched the video Yeah. and I'm not going to disparage his um, singing um, voice, but okay. it, um, then he, he came back again and he said, hi. So I said, hi, he goes, you look beautiful. And I said, and this was my go-to response for a few months. Hi, just an FYI, because I keep getting this, I'm happily married, loyal, and this is not my personal Facebook account, but the one promoting my, my upcoming book launch or, or my book, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. um, he says, okay, not trying to distract your loyalty to your husband, just an appreciation. But then like two days later. I love you, Deborah. Your pics look beautiful. And I'm like, you're a dude who's calling yourself a pastor coming onto my DM hitting on me. What? Like, so I, I, I <laughs> between that and the, you know, the, uh, you need to be saved. You know, somebody sending me um, an entire page, like an eight and a half by 11 filled with typing page into a single message on my messenger of like, I don't have time. I'm the one doing my own um, research on my next book. I'm doing my own mm -hmm. marketing. I still have a full-time job. I don't have time for this. Yep. I don't have time to answer all these messages. And here's, here's where it gets, and it goes back to the sexism. I'm sure that this, is across the world mm -hmm. it has to be but when i accept a friend request from a guy it's almost 50 percent of the time that i will have an immediate message from them within a day or two hi how are you like <laughs> i'm fine thank you fine. <laughs> <laughs> you you look beautiful i love this i love that da, 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 da. i want to get to know you i just want to be your friend uh, okay, but do you have a question about what I wrote? Oh, you wrote a book? Yeah, that's my whole page. Yep, well, where that's... do I find your book? Can I get a free copy? Can you mail it to me? Can you sign it? <laughs> on and on and on and on. Yeah. And it's like, I appreciate, and that, you know, these are the people who are, are buying my book, mm -hmm. but I, I have a hard time when, when it's like, I can accept a hundred women friend requests and not mm -hmm. one of them 
will instant message me. It's just the guys. guys. And it doesn't matter where they're from in the world. It doesn't matter what race or nationality or or status in, in life. It's like, oh my gosh, we don't want that. I'm hoping that I'm speaking for like 99% of the women. Yeah. We don't want that. We don't need it. We don't have time for it. I And I yeah. clearly in my bio say I'm married with a ring, just yeah. to make clear. Yeah, yeah. Relevant DMs only. Yeah. I have I've changed my process. So first, if I vet, I go through the person's profile, mm-hmm. like I go through it. I go to the or about. I go to see, make sure that they are actually posting stuff. It's not they're, they're mutual not friends as well and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. There's mutual friends. You have some information about yourself. You don't. I'm not just posting nature pictures. <laughs> You're not. You know, <laughs> this is a real person. Okay. Then I go to their their uh, messenger and I block the messenger feature and then I go and accept them. And if they have information in their profile that I'm interested in, Mm -hmm. then I'll stay following them. But if not, I unfollow because I don't have time to scroll through, you know, a a week's worth of, you know, no, and I had to change that because Okay, I'll say you shouldn't have to like in 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 the ideal world I want to live in. You in twenty twenty two, I shouldn't have to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you shouldn't have to get either marriage requests, um, yeah. creepy guys, or people saying that you're oh, going to hell. Pornographic videos. Oh, really? I don't need pornographic. Yes. Really? I don't need them. Yeah. Really. Wow. Okay. Wow. This is all I can say. Yep. But I know it's not just me either. I've I've seen plenty of the, the women that I am associated with in not only just this community, but you know, in in the Facebook world, people mm-hmm. I don't really know all that well. Women are complaining all the time about this. And it's it's so sad that women yes. have been so devalued not just by religion, but just by this general zeitgeist, dark cloud mm-hmm. of, <laughs> of, you know, how, how have we gone backwards? Because one of the first religions known on this planet was one of worshiping women. Really? And it was a pregnant woman statue, just the torso, a pregnant woman torso was the first and oldest um, found all over the world, not just in one general area. That was the oldest figurine that we know as in in our scientific world and Mm -hmm. in studying this, Mm -hmm. that was the oldest thing that was worshipped. Really? Uh, Do you have any more, do you know what what that religion was called or? I don't know that, that it was necessarily given a name oh, okay. per se but yeah. uh and i haven't done that type of if you happen to know off the top of your head i know obviously there are religions older than uh than christianity right. of course but it's also judaism of course but it's uh, yeah just curious to know what um yeah how, how i was i was people. thinking about going into more egyptian mythology research okay. but um when i started writing my book i just decided to come back to you know 
let's stick to this one topic that I know really well. Okay. No, and uh, it fascinates stick, me. So <laughs> stick to what you know. Stick to what you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, because as a um, yeah, and I have to say that as a uh, as as a man on Twitter who's also an athe- an outspoken atheist, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't get that kind of stuff. So I do feel somewhat um, uh, mm-hmm. em- embarrassed, uh, you know, just, you know, there, the fact that yeah. uh, there, there's still people out there who think it's okay to hit up women that they don't know with this kind of dumb shit. Is the- and, and vulgar. It, it's, yeah. There's so much vulgarity to the messages that I get and other women get. I, I know we all complain about it. Yeah. Um, in 2022, you would think that this would not be something that would be happening. You can't do that at work. Why would you think it's okay to do it in your own personal and life? If you didn't if want it done to your daughter, if you don't want it done to your daughter, exactly. don't do it to someone else's daughter. If you don't want it done to your mom, mm-hmm. if you don't want it done to your sister, yep. if you don't want it done to your gr- no, it doesn't matter. But we should be valuing women yep. at a higher level than that. I am not a sexual object to be to be just vomiting in my Le- DM. Lead over <laughs> is the is the word is the word. No, look, Deb, I'm, I'm sorry to you've kind of opened my eyes a bit more into what you know, like what obviously what you what you display on your Facebook page about what you get is the, the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, I I took a very. Um, mild example and put it out there just because I was like, you know, (laughs) this guy's talking about love and he's not showing it. And, you know, and at the same time, claiming to be a spiritual advisor and psychologist with his own private practice (laughs) who studied human behavior. Well, he could could be just be like a very, very bad one that you wouldn't want to go to. Right. Asking me what my definition of love is, like at 530 in the morning. That was just, to me, that was so ironic. Like, you don't know human behavior, obviously. Yeah. Oh, Deb. Deb. So, humans, humans. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to I'm gonna wrap this up. Uh, Deb, what do you got coming up? So I'm working on a second book. Um, oh, can you tell Things me more? at work have... <laughs> tell me more, tell me more. Oh, uh, look. <laughs> Drop the goss. It's still... Yeah, it's still staying within the confines of what you find in the scriptures. Okay. Um, but I'm I'm going to be much more hyper focused on specific um, areas um, w- within the range of psychology, and um, so I may have to reach out to a um, couple of people that I know to to see if they would uh, partner on it. Um, okay or at least vet it. I want to make sure that I'm not misrepresenting uh, the psychology field. Okay. Um, but to, to kind of parallel um, the scriptures and, and what we know today, and that's just a general overview. It's going to be heavier. It's not going to be as cut and dry. And um, I want to, I want to put a little bit more into it and, and okay. I have a lot more to say in that respect. So it's, it, so it's not so, something you're going to read to your kids at bedtime. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Darn it. Yeah. Um, but it, it, I, I really do hope that it sort of wakes up the, uh, the world of psychology to 
how detrimental the scriptures are. The religion is Specifically the Bible. Yep. That's because I'm going to be paralleling some stuff that that should hopefully wake up anybody's eyes. And I'll have some definitions in there. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see the parallels. Fair enough. Well, Deborah, I look forward to it. And I'm going to give you the last word before we go. <laughs> For those who may be listening and questioning their faith, I just want to say it does take bravery. Um, but if you are willing to be honest with yourself and look at the scriptures critically and take a look at uh, why why would you believe in something that, that cannot be proven? Um, if you're willing to be honest and step out on that, then you are a badass. Deborah Grace, author of Crucifying the Bible, thank you very much. Thank you.